Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a podcast from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. All right, welcome everyone to the Fully Delighted Podcast. This is a conversation that we hope will spur on more delight and less despair. And I'm joined here today uh, with our lead pastor, Paul uh, of SMCC, and our teaching pastor, Eric. And by the way, I guess I should introduce myself. My name is Adam. I'm the campus support team director, but glad to have you guys here this morning. Uh, How are you all doing? Doing great. Looking forward to it. Adam, good to have you back. Missed you last week, man. Glad you're here. Hope everybody had a great Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. I missed being here last week, but listened to the to the episode when it released on Wednesday. It was really good. Um, really enjoyed that. And I think we're going to even kind of unpack a little bit more here today um, on the topic of the gospel. And so I'm really excited for that conversation. I think that's something that really we can't spend too much time trying to go through and making sure that it's clear and helpful to people. Uh, but before we kind of get into what our our main subject for today is going to be, um, I just want to remind people, if you're listening to this, um, we would really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. Um, if you want to do us just a quick favor that doesn't cost you anything, just to subscribe, uh, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on uh, for this podcast and and share it with a friend. If you have somebody that, that might be interested in this, it's, it's worth sharing. It's worth sharing on social media or sending a text quick and saying, hey, you might want to check this out. Uh, we would really appreciate that. And it's nothing that costs you anything, but it helps us out a ton uh, to help as many people as possible be able to hear this and uh, be able to just be filled with more more delight. Let me plug something real quick, Adam. You know, over the last 22 years or so, I know people take Paul out for coffee, for breakfast, to pick his brain about ministry in Utah. Now you can listen to it as many times as you'd like. Uh, if you're a pastor, if you're a ministry leader, if you're thinking through, you know, what are some of the ways that SMCC has reached people, this podcast is that. So maybe you have people that aren't church people and this would be interesting to them, but maybe there are people who are leaders in the local church. They might find this very helpful and a little bit cheaper than taking Paul to lunch. So That's true. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's a lot of experience wrapped up in, in this as well and just trying to make that just clear and helpful for people is what we always want to do. And so uh, that's what we really hope to do with this podcast. Speaking of leaving a review, uh, we have been getting some reviews in on... on um, Apple Podcasts and just some different people that have been listening. And so I want to just give a shout out to somebody who did go ahead and leave a review. Uh, his username is Randy from Sandy. <laughs> he can't move because otherwise his name doesn't work. Yeah, he's anymore. gonna have to change his name if he ever moves again. <laughs> Lehigh from Lehigh. <laughs> but uh, what he said is this, he gave us a five star review. He says thumbs up. I'm grateful that SMCC is increasing its online presence. Utah needs more attention in this area. And so kind of quick and sweet. Um, but I agree. Uh, Randy from Sandy, we definitely want to get more of this out here. Uh, into Utah. So thank you for leaving that review. We hope more people will do that as well. And along those same lines, I just want to celebrate that um, our podcast so far is, 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 is really new. We're still getting a lot of people that are jumping into this, uh, but already has uh, over uh, 700 total downloads uh, for this podcast, which is amazing. So thank you for sharing and, and listening and subscribing to that as well. And then uh, just one more time, I'll do this at the end again. It'll be in the description of the of this episode as well. If you have questions after listening to an episode, whether it be you know an episode that you're catching up on that you know aired you know a while ago or whether you're listening to this week's episode and you have questions really kind of any question for Pastor Paul to answer we want to remind you that we do have a voicemail line it is 801-382-8151 and that again will be in the description of this episode if you want to go ahead and look at that and dial that that's a really great way to to really interact and we'll play it on the show and give you an answer to that question. So just want to give that reminder to everybody. Um, like I said, so Eric was saying last week I was gone, uh, wasn't able to make it and uh, was able to listen to the episode, really enjoyed it. I listened to podcasts as I'm taking my dog for a walk in the morning and, and really thought it was it was super great. Talking about a gospel-centered church um, and just what we're getting from the SMCC way, which I think is really a, a great document that we get to review and, and it helps guide us as a church. Um, today, I want to kind of take us in a slightly different direction. I want to dial us in a little bit more in our conversation of living in more delight and less despair. I want to just get a you know a step further into that. So we've been talking a lot about you know a church what we do and, and a lot of what we talk about reflects us as a church. So that makes sense. Um, but today I want to just kind of talk about the gospel versus other things that people might be believing. And not necessarily a particular religion, quote unquote, or, or you know, a way of, of thinking per se. Uh, but really, you know, Oftentimes people are thinking, if they're thinking in the church world, if they're thinking about God, if they're thinking about faith, they're think, the first word that's going to pop into their mind, I guarantee it, is religion. 
Religion is a very common word that people associate with church, with God, with faith, with Jesus, whatever it might be. So, guys, when we just kind of talk about religion, I mean, just off the cuff, what do you think when people are thinking about religion, what are some things that they might be thinking if you're talking about those words, God, faith, church, religion? Well, I'll tell you something. When you when anybody invites somebody to church today, if a person is relatively an unchurched person, or really for the most part, even if they have a church background, they believe that you are inviting them into a religious environment. And I think in terms of a nutshell description of what we mean by religion is a situation where you earn your status with God. You make yourself more lovable, more blessable, uh, more forgivable. Uh, you are responsible in, uh, to impress God in some way through your religious duty and rule keeping or whatever it might be so that God will be kind to you. And so it's really putting man at the center of his own religious experience. And God ultimately is someone to be obligated so that he has to serve the person. Yeah. And now I think what's interesting is people often look at me and say, well, Eric, you're a pastor. Come on, you must be religious. And uh, and I get what they mean by that. Uh, I think our what Paul just described, our understanding of religion is, uh, is something that catches people off guard. I think, because like you said, Paul, someone shows up in the seats and they then they hear us say something about religion in a negative context. And it kind of shakes their footing a little bit because they're thinking, oh, wait, these guys are religious, right? But that speaker on the stage or that small group leader, they just said something about religion in a negative context, and they're kind of hinting at there's something better out there. So now I'm kind of confused. Like if you look up religion in the Webster's Dictionary, it's like something, something, something with God, you know, that kind of thing. And so sometimes people look at us and say, well, you're religious. And we say, no, we want to we want to talk about this in a whole new way, a brand new way, a gospel way. And so that's why we think the gospel... Uh, goes against, or that's why we say versus, gospel versus religion. And I think uh, I, I love kind of helping people think differently because they do look at me and they say, Eric, you're a, you're a religious guy. And I say, no, that, oh, it's a relationship guy. And I'm like, well, 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 kind of, but I like an even better word than that, perhaps, which is, which is gospel. And I think uh, people, it, it takes a couple times of coming to SMCC to learn that we are thinking of religion versus gospel, not the gospel is religion. Correct. Right. And I think it's interesting. There's so much connotation that comes with religion. And I think depending on where you grew up or how you grew up, you know, there's different ways that you think about that. And I can even think about how, you know, me growing up in the the Midwest. So Eric, you know, you grew up in the, in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, you primarily grew up in California. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of all bringing different pieces of, of just thinking to this, but I know religion, you know, if I were to ask somebody on the streets in the Midwest, you know, they're thinking it's, it's some set of, of rules, um, of a way to live. And you're always kind of trying to figure out how do I do just enough mm-hmm. or how do I tend to just enough or how do I give just enough or how do I serve just enough to, to kind of manipulate the rules to kind of like do that? Like, that's what religion is like. They're kind of like, how can I just get enough there where mm-hmm. it's just enough a part of my life where it works? It doesn't control my life. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, how a lot of people might, might picture religion. Right. And, and I think that we can speak negatively about religion because Jesus did. I think one of the most powerful influences in my life regarding the difference between gospel and religion is Tim Keller. And he wrote a book called Prodigal God, and years ago, read that book. And I think for the first time, I really appreciated so much the emphasis on the older brother and and how he brought that to light. Some of the, the people in the audience who were listening to the the presentation of this of the parables in Luke 15, not just the prodigal son or that parable, but lost sheep, lost coin as well were Pharisees and religious leaders. And I think that we look at that parable in Luke 15 about the prodigal son who was lost and was dead to him, but now is found, he's alive again, that sort of thing. We emphasize that, but we see that person as the irreligious person. And so does Tim Keller. The parable probably was was meant to emphasize the older brother, the good one, quote-unquote good. And 
so that person represents religion. And I just want to make sure that we all get this right. Neither the younger or the older brother really loved the father, but they loved the father's stuff. And this is the curious thing about religion is when you drill down a bit on a religious person, are they really in love with God or they are they in love with the blessings of God? Do they worship the giver or do they worship the gift? And that is where the rubber meets the road in this whole discussion. And so, you know, so many popular uh, songs today regarding uh, worship music and that sort of thing really do emphasize all the blessings, the miracles, the goodness of God, all the and 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 ultimately it's not really about the glory of God, it's about what I get from God. And and we find that problematic. We don't think that's gospel centered and we think that uh we need to do everything we can to change that. Well, it's interesting what you just said about at the end of the day, the religious brother and the irreligious brother, they actually just wanted the same thing from the father. So I am increasingly fascinated by the endless connections of irreligion and religion. Uh, I think if you look at two people on the streets, you look at their lives, you would think, oh man, they are massively different. A religious person, they go to church, an irreligious person, they're, they're not. But And we're going to talk about this more in this podcast, but they are actually very, very similar in their approach to life. And I don't think people really understand that. You know, I grew up in the Northwest, which is predominantly irreligious, sex, drugs, rock and roll. That's the younger brother way of life. And so when I first read the prodigal son story, of course, that's the one I connected with. But then as I started to process the story more and hang out with more church people, religious people, I started to see, man, how common the older brother syndrome is uh, in the lives of, of people who attend church every week. And that is actually uh, pretty scary because the older brother thought he was fine. That's what made him so angry with the father is that he, he thought he was doing what you just said, Adam. He was checking all the boxes. He was doing enough to get all the father's stuff and yet he didn't get it. And so it made him bitter with the father. And I think there's a lot of people who go to church every week with this low grade anger towards God, bitter towards him because their lives don't look like what they think they've deserved in their life. And so once again, not the light just despair. And this podcast about living with more delight, less despair. So I, I love bringing all this to the surface. I think it's important that we get this right, because what you mentioned about a low-grade anger toward God is very true. But religion is a two-edged sword. Either you're mad at God or you're mad at yourself, because ultimately you know that you could have done better. Now, There's always something more you could have done. Yeah. But let's be honest. There are the type A people in religion who are killing it and their lives look amazing and they think to themselves, it's because I've been so good. So there are people who are religious in church loving it without a low-grade anger, but everybody, but they're looking down on everybody else who must not be righteous enough. So religion does work, so to speak, when you measure uh, God's faithfulness by your circumstances or your blessings, because there are some people in churches who go, I have the power, I have the prestige, I have the possessions, but really it was their type A personality that allowed them to win at religion. But let's be honest, they probably win at everything. And uh, <laughs> there's probably a lot of people listening to this who know those people. You're thinking about that person right now and you can't stand that person. We know people like that. Yeah. And it's so interesting to hear you talk about this because yeah, you would think, and I think in mainstream thought, people think that religion and irreligion must be on total opposite ends of the spectrum, must be totally different ways of, of thinking of how they view life, of how they view themselves. But what's interesting, I think, is, you know, it's share, they, they, they do share some things. Mm -hmm. They share some pieces that are really important that we're going to dissect a little bit. You know, they, they, they are different in, in some parts, but kind of at the center as they kind of come back to the middle, they agree on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to do is kind of just take a moment here, and it's probably been the rest of our podcast today doing this. And I think it's super helpful for people. If you've ever been to SMCC, um, hopefully you've seen one of these cards. If you haven't been to SMCC before, that's, that's totally fine. But what we have in our lobbies is we have cards that um, outline two different things. One card is just uh, simply put religion versus the gospel. And then we have another one that is irreligion versus the gospel. But I want to start today with jumping into 
religion versus the gospel. And we have this at SMCC because we think it's very important for us in our ministry and, and who we want to reach and how we want to help people uh, take their next step in full devotion and full delight in Jesus Christ. So guys, when we look at this card, when somebody comes into a lobby and we might give this to somebody and offer it, hey, this might be a good resource for you, it might be good to think through. I mean, what's what's a good way to walk somebody through this and to help them understand, not attack them, but to help them understand, no, we think religion and the gospel are different. These, these two ideas are, are very different. Well, I, I do just walk them through it and let them kind of percolate on this, let them let these thoughts marinate in their minds. Instead of trying to instruct them, I think I'm opening their eyes to a, a comparison and a contrast. And I think that's kind of cool because now God can do his work, the Holy Spirit can, can bring illumination of the truth to the person. I don't think that it's something that I need to convince them of. It's so apparent once you see the contrast that there really is a huge difference. Mm, that's good. Eric, What I mean, you've been a campus pastor at SMCC before, um, and you're a teaching pastor now. I mean, how, how have you been able to use this? What's a good way to, you know, if somebody were to ever come to one of our campuses and see this, like, what's a good way to walk through this? Or what, what do you see on these cards as you go through them? Well, I like what Paul said. I just want to allow people to find themselves in the card, because I think... Uh, I think you can. I think everybody listening right now, uh, they have a default setting. We, we all have a default setting uh, towards irreligion or religion. My default setting is irreligion. I'll just be honest. It's, it's irreligion. Or let me be more clear. It was for the first 25 years of my life, it was irreligion. And now as a professional Christian, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. But as a pastor, there's, there's this unique... It's a unique role. It's a unique world. If there's any pastors listening, I think you know that. Uh, th- there's some unique things to being a pastor. I think now my default has maybe shifted towards towards religion a little bit. And that's that's scary. That's sobering. That's why I love the green card. I keep it close by uh, at all times. But uh, just like I'm doing right now, I, I'm looking at the card and finding myself in it. You know, and, and I think in different seasons of life, different things on this card pop up. So the first thing on the religion versus the gospel card is this uh, on the religion side, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. And I think a lot of people look at that when they show up in our lobby and they go, oh, that was me for 30 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I tried to obey, so I'd be accepted by the other people who are already obeying. And I wanted to see, I wanted them to see me obey. So now I'm doing all these good things for bad reasons. Because by the way, you can do the right thing for a wrong reason, and then it becomes not the right thing, right? You can yeah. do that. And so there's a lot of people in a lot of churches obeying, but their, their motivation is off. Um, they're obeying to be accepted. And I think when I usually start there, I don't really get much past the first one when I'm meeting with somebody in the lobby. It's usually, whoa, I got to think about that because that describes 30 years of my life. And when they think of that, all these memories come flashing back, all the pressure, all the anxiety, all the worry, all the hiding. I'm going to hide where I disobeyed because I don't want them to, whoever them is, the religious leaders, the community, mom and dad, whoever, I don't want them to see my disobedience. So I'm going to hide my disobedience. I'm going to keep obeying. And then this person becomes a person who's torn in two. They're really living uh, this double life. And so they just look at the left. I obey, therefore I'm accepted. And they go, that describes me. And then, but, I'm, but in the gospel, it's very, very different. I'm accepted, therefore I obey. And we talked a little bit about that last week. We can talk about it more. But some people look at that and, and they just don't even get past that first, sure. that first comparison. Uh, and as a campus pastor, that's, that's what I've seen. And so they take this green card. We give it to every first-time guest that walks through our doors. There's a, there's a first-time guest bag typically at most of our locations. And, uh, and they just stare at that. They, they maybe put it on their fridge. They just keep it nearby and they just reflect on this continually. And I think it's so incredibly helpful. Well, I think that this is why Good Friday is such a popular service at our church is because it's very, very clear that what Christ accomplished on the cross is sufficient to cover our sins. When Jesus said it is finished or paid in full, this was very, very good news to the religious person mm-hmm. because there isn't now a continuous striving to get into God's good graces. We Mm. are graced. Mm. And so we're found in him and his righteousness belongs to us. It's not about our obedience, it's about his obedience and going to the cross and dying for our sins and living the the righteous life that we couldn't live. That's great. And so, 
yeah, I'm accepted um, before uh, I obey. I, I'm simply right. in him. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, as we, I, I just want to pick a few of these things off this card because I think it's so helpful. Again, as we're trying to prompt a conversation of more delight and less despair, this absolutely, absolutely hits right on that. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pick, you know, one here that I just think is so hard to live with delight if you're living this way. So religion says this, this is on the one side of the card. Religion says, I obey God in order to get things from God. And you might be saying, well, I know that should bring delight because, you know, you can, you can obey it and get things from God. But the, the gospel actually says, I obey God to get God to delight and resemble him. That's a totally different way of living life. And, and you know, there's a lot of Christian pastors that are guilty of dangling blessings out there mm-hmm. in terms of trying to get his people to obey. And kind of making that promise, if you live the, the righteous life, if you live the right kind of life, God's going to reward you for that. He's going to bless you. And, and, of course, it's a confusion of Old Covenant doctrine and New Covenant doctrine. And, sure, in the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, it was, it's true that for Israel, if they were to obey the law, they exclusively worship God, that they didn't make treaties with foreign nations, that they treated uh, foreigners correctly and all these sort of things. If they kept the law, then God was going to bless them with peace and prosperity and land. And if they didn't do that, those three things would be taken from them. And so that was for a particular group of people, Israel, for a particular uh, period of time, the, the time of Moses up until Christ, and for a particular purpose. That was so that Israel would form a particular kind of culture that would be a light to the other nations and draw them to God. Now, Christ at the Last Supper said, I am holding this cup. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And so he introduced and inaugurated a new covenant with now God's people. And God's people is anybody who believes in him. And so in the book of Hebrews, it says that the old covenant is obsolete. It's been replaced. It's been replaced by a relationship with Christ. And so all those ideas, the ideas of being blessed because you obeyed, that's out. Yeah. And now Jesus is saying to his followers, uh, it used to be that if you will, I will. But today, under the new covenant, even if you don't, I will. In other words, I'm fulfilling my covenant with you, uh, and it, it doesn't matter how well you obey, you're blessed in me. And the physical blessings, all the material blessings, that's out of the picture here. It's simply you are blessed in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Yeah, and I think, you know, just going off of that, and I'm sure there's a few other words we might want to hit on, but the next one down this card, just to go off of what you just said, Paul, um, the next one on this card, I want our listeners to really just pay attention to this verbiage. What religion says, religion says is when circumstances in my life go wrong, I am angry at God or myself since I believe that anyone who is good deserves a comfortable life. That's what religion says. But the gospel says this, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I struggle. But I know that while God may allow this for my training, it is all done out of his fatherly love for me. So again, just like you're saying, some pastors who want to say, hey, if, you, if, you're, if you're on your game, if you're 100% of you're doing everything right, then there's, nothing's going to go wrong in your life. I've actually heard, I actually heard a very popular, a guy that we like to listen to say that if you don't obey, if you don't get your life together, God's going to light you up. Hmm. Oh, boy. Like, and, a, and, like a football coach. Yeah, He's going to get in your face, like, shake your helmet around. to put the yeah. fear of God in people. Wow. And one of, the thing, one of the characteristics of religion is we're motivated based on fear and insecurity. Yep where the gospel motivates us uh, by a sense of great gratitude and joy. That's how we're, we're motivated in the gospel. 
Religion makes it so that God owes us something. That's it. And so if I, if my life has something good in it, I, it's hard to be grateful to God or have, just have appreciation or gratitude because I earned it. It's mine. He owed it to me. Now, if I don't have it, then God didn't come through on the transaction. And so I'm angry at God. However you slice this, you know, religion will, it will leave you frustrated with God. We said this last week, leave you frustrated with God because he wasn't good enough for you or frustrated with yourself because you weren't good enough to get from God the thing that you wanted. And so, man, obedience, we, we have that maybe first on the green card, this religion versus gospel card, because obedience plays into so much of this. You know, the next, the motivation is based on fear. So that's still my motivation for obedience is I'm afraid God's going to light me up, so to speak. That pastor is preaching religion, by the way. That's not, that's not the gospel. Maybe he's in an evangelical church that's singing sweet music. And you know, it looks, it looks like a church that you'd go, oh, this is a grace centered place, but that's not a grace centered message, you know? And so now I like what we say about on on the gospel that God, uh, the gospel side, when circumstances in my life go wrong, I, I struggle, but I know that God may allow this for my training. Um, God might, he allows difficult things in our lives. Of, of course we know that's true. Uh, James talks about that. Um, so this pastor, he's, he's, he knows he needs to address how God allows difficulty. He's just not being clear or precise at all. His imprecision is actually, um, and I don't even know who you're talking about, Paul, but it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt people. Um, and so we think this gospel versus religion card is far more precise than some kind of nebulous idea of a God who, who is he lighting me up? Is he allowing other things? Is he trying to draw me to himself through this? He's trying to mature me, create perseverance and endurance. Um, there's just in that phrase, light you up. There's just not enough there to well, know. And it's, and it's unfortunate because I think what religion does and what you're describing, Eric, is we're living then under this invisible scoreboard mm-hmm. that we're never quite sure what the score is. And we're never quite sure where we're quite hitting and we're, and we're confused as, is this happening to me because it's just happening or is it happening because there's something in my life that I don't even know that I'm doing wrong? I mean, mass confusion and despair in, in a lifestyle like yeah, that. Yeah. You begin to, you begin to just measure and, and I love that phrase, keep score. It's like, does my good outweigh my bad? We know where that came from. It came from people trying to make their their good religious deeds outweigh their bad religious deeds, so to speak, or uh, the bad things they've done according to the religious standard that they're a part of. And so that's why we're measuring. And we hear that all the time, well, my good should outweigh my bad, you know? And um, unfortunately, that's a scoreboard mentality. And a scoreboard mentality, uh, it causes you to cheat right it causes you to it causes you to cheat and it causes you to judge and no one likes a cheater or a judger (laughs) okay i think it's a good time to just insert the idea that every religion in the world is consistent with the scoreboard islam even any uh, system of karma uh, anything that requires a person to perform in order to uh, either impress the gods or God or whatever the the scoreboard might be, it all it's on you. The only faith system in the world that isn't religious at its core is Christianity, and which is filled with grace. Yeah, grace. A definition of grace. My favorite definition is you get better than you deserve. Right. The scoreboard says one thing, but God has given you better than what the scoreboard says. He's given you better than you deserve. And mercy is not getting what you deserve. And so (laughs) Christianity is grace and mercy. And it's all because of what Christ has done. And so the emphasis is on him always, not on us. But in every other religion, the emphasis is on the person's performance. Now, there's one other, there's another one on the green card that really connects to what we're talking about here. It connects to the scoreboard. It's, it's this one. When I'm criticized, I'm furious or devastated because it's essential for me to think of myself as a good person. The reason it's essential for people to think of themselves as good people is they want to win on the scoreboard. They, if they're good outweighs, they're bad. They know they're doing all right. That's a religious way of thinking. But by the way, irreligious people say the same thing. Oh, I just want to be a good person. I don't need God. I just want to be a good person. Religion wants to be a good person too. So if someone's criticized or if someone fails, doesn't live up to their own standard of what good is, that is a massive threat. But it's so interesting. If you've ever thought to yourself, I just want to be a good person, whether you're religious or irreligious, the reality the reality of that statement is you have a scoreboard mentality and you might think you're irreligious, but you're actually thinking of your own life through a religious scoreboard mentality. And eventually that's going to lead to some despair. But the gospel has a different approach when criticized. When I'm criticized, I struggle. 
I mean, it's not fun. And I like that we have that on the green card. I struggle when I'm criticizing. I'm struggle, I struggle when life's difficult. We're not pretending. We're not burying our head in the sand and saying, hey, God, and it's all good. No, it's, right, it's right. tough. When I'm criticized, I struggle. But it's not essential for me to think of myself as a good person because I already know I'm not. All right. I've given up on that. I know the scoreboard will always be lopsided. I know that I am not a good person. My identity is not built on that, though. It is not built on my performance, past performance, present performance, but it's built on God's love for me in Christ. And so when I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior, that allows me to be free from the scoreboard or good person mentality. And so a lot of people don't want to hear that they're a sinner. They, you know, a lot of churches are having a lot of dialogue. Do you use that language in your messaging? Do you use that language in the songs that you sing? Uh, it sounds like that's a negative message. Well, first of all, it's a it's an accurate message to reality. But second of all, it's actually a very helpful and hopeful message because it frees people from the scoreboard mentality. And we really want to do that at SMCC. I just want to point out, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but in a irreligious environment, there's a scoreboard. And your identity is dependent on the right people thinking that you're amazing or that you have the symbols of success in your life that would bolster your sense of identity. And so it is a very fragile identity. The only secure identity is one that's found in Christ. That never changes. And I think, you know, going off of that, Paul, I think what is so freeing, what allows people to live with delight, is the fact that the gospel and what we try to give to people every Sunday in a very clear um, helpful and hopeful message is that w- the gospel is consistent with reality. I think there's so many religious systems that are not consistent with reality. All three of us here in this room would admit and understand that we are sinner. We do things that sometimes that we know that we shouldn't do. We, you know, all these types of things like, you know, if, if you're listening, you've ever thought to yourself, why can't I just get my life together? Why can't I think differently? Why can't I act differently? Oh my goodness. Like, how am I ever going to live up to who I want to be? Reality check, you can't. And the gospel is consistent with that. It says, yes, we, I, I know you can't do that. I know you can't live up to your own standards or even God's standards. I know you can't do that. So Christ is giving you better than you deserve. Mm. That's so helpful for people. Yeah, and let's build on that because, and let's go to another Tim Keller book. I hope, you know, Tim Keller book sales are going up through all this. Um, maybe he'll, you know, <laughs> maybe I bomb. can meet him someday. Um, anyways, uh, so a lot of people grew up in religion and in the state of Utah, uh, that's that's very, very true. They get to a spot in religion and say, this doesn't work for me. I'm sick of the pressure. I'm sick of the anxiety. Uh, I'm out. I can't live up to this. It's, you know, whatever. I'm out. And then they often swing towards irreligion. And this isn't just a Utah thing. This is all types of, of religious environments. So they swing to irreligion thinking I'm finally free. But all they've done is substituted the God of the church they grew up in with the counterfeit gods of the world that we live in. That's all that's changed. So now you're not performing for the God of the church you went to, you're performing for the God that you've picked in secular culture. Uh, and that's a counterfeit God. It's it's something that you've made an ultimate thing. And now you're simply performing for it. So you're not performing for a God, capital G, anymore. Perhaps you're performing for a God, lowercase g, career, success, the house, the, the weekend, the truck, whatever it is that now you are living for, you still have to perform. You still have to obey to keep your standing, to get it and to keep it. And so if anybody's listening to this and thinking, well, I've chosen irreligion, so this podcast isn't for me and church just isn't for me. I want you to think deeply about the way you're living because your value, your worth and your significance is still connected to your performance. And maybe that performance isn't being measured by a God with a capital G, but it's being measured by some other ultimate thing. And at the end of the day, I think that too leads to despair. And I think that's the genius of the parable of this prodigal. Uh, He came to the end of himself. He came to his senses. He found that those little G gods did not satisfy. They, 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 they did not satisfy him just in terms of pleasure, but they didn't satisfy him in terms of purpose and meaning. And so he got to the place of despair and decided to go back to the Father. Mm. So that the book that helped me evaluate that is Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller. Um, so if you want to look that up, uh, Counterfeit Gods uh, talks about... Um, all that with some quotes, some quotes that we've used. Uh, you know, I think there's some celebrities out there who have who have exposed some of this. You know, uh, John Mayer has talked a ton about his own life and how he had all the pleasure he could want, and it ultimately was empty. Um, 
Madonna is quoted in Counterfeit Gods, Boris Becker, the famous tennis player. I had it all and I was empty. We've all heard that story. And for those of us who think we'll have it all someday in the future, we think, well, not me. If I had it all, that wouldn't be me. Um, but we should learn from these people. Let them pay some of that tax for us. Uh, we call it dumb tax or wisdom tax. Probably sounds nicer. But <laughs> um, they've gone down that road and they got it and it was not enough. So their counterfeit God failed them. And uh, that's a scary place to be. So when you go religion and then you uh, burn out in religion and then you go irreligion and you burn out in irreligion, then where do you go? You know, Paul, I think that is maybe a really scary place to be because if you grew up in religion, you think, well, religion was the problem. Mm -hmm. It was my parents' religion. That was the problem. And I'm out. So now I'm free. Well, then you go irreligion for 20 years of your life and, and perhaps you've gone through some relationships and things are tough with your kids. You're on your third career and you're, and then you go, oh, well, irreligion is not any better. So now what? And then you Google church in your area and, <laughs> and then people go, Oh, the green card and the white card, gospel versus religion, irreligion uh, versus the gospel. So, and I think what's interesting, just pivoting now, you know, from talking about religion and now stepping into the, to the realm of irreligion. I think that something that I've noticed just personally is this is just a quick note, but I think in both of those, we religion and irreligion share this common theme of control. People like irreligion and they like religion both because you establish control in religion. I have control because I measure my worth on what I do. I measure my worth on how hard I work to, to do this or to do the right thing or to, you know, whatever it might be in irreligion. It's the same way. It's well, I'm, I'm free now because I'm in control. And I think that that's definitely something that says something about us just as human beings. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very helpful for us to walk through and to talk through. And I just want to put this out here before we start talking about irreligion. I'm just thinking about this just kind of on the fly. I know that some people might be listening to this and say, I would really like to look at these cards. I'm hearing it and I'm thinking I probably need to look at this myself. Maybe there's not an SMCC location close to where you are. I'll tell you this. If you just email smcc at smccutah.org, um, that'll come to me and, and, and I'll send you the PDFs of these cards. That would be helpful for you just to be able to look at yourself uh, if, if you think that. So just know that we would love to share this with you. But so let's talk about irreligion versus the gospel now. We've kind of outlined religion. Now we're talking about irreligion yeah, now. I like to talk about the essence. And the essence is, and you mentioned it, uh, Eric, the, the desire for freedom, the desire for control of your own life. This idea, the, the number one reason why an irreligious person would push back and against God is the idea of accountability, <laughs> that somehow my life doesn't belong to me and that I can't do with it what I want. And so that's what drives irreligion, is that desire for independence. Mm. And so because of that, um, there, there is a sense of freedom uh, initially in that I get to do whatever I want. But uh, quickly, <laughs> I think that uh, irreligious people find out that if they don't play by the rules of the culture that they've chosen, then they don't get to reap the benefits of that culture. And that ends up being an insurmountable mountain to climb. And it's it's very, very difficult to, to hold on to that consistently. Again, money, sex, power, whatever it might be, requires that you get your act together and you do it consistently. Mm. Yeah, religion is I control my God. Irreligion is I control me because I'm my God or I'm trying to control something else that's my counterfeit God. So at the end of the day, control is essential to both parties. Once again, they might look very different on where they are on a Sunday morning. One might be up in the mountains on their mountain bike. One might be sitting in a pew in church. But if you're irreligious or religious, once again, not gospel-centered, but irreligious or religious, control is is um, one of the most important things. Another thing, yeah, very important, because you begin to try to control other people so that you can get them to give you what you think you need for your life to be happy, or you're stuck trying to control your circumstances, your environment, and that's a losing battle as well, since life isn't under our control. But it, it's a very difficult way to live. Ultimately, I yeah. mean, it can work for a little while. It can satisfy in, in, at some level, but ultimately it gets very difficult. And that's what I was saying about those type A personalities is that they are pretty good at controlling those things you just described. And so religion has the facade of working for somebody. It can work if you are 
one of those control freak type of personalities who can control those things very, very well. Now that's very exhausting, but irreligion can work as well if you can control all the things you want to control. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm convinced control is an illusion. Now we did a series, we did a series, uh, and, and if you don't think control is an illusion, just think about some things that have happened in your life that have been out of your control. They're there in your life. You, you know that they're there. Now maybe you controlled some of the things that happened outside of those and then you you minimize the loss but come on there are things that are outside of our control we did a series you can find it uh on our at least our vimeo i don't know if it's on our website but on our website you would be able to find it yeah Mm -hmm. um called control freaks and we talked about hey this is a series for control freaks to unite both religious control freaks and irreligious control freaks that series was was first of all incredibly fun to to preach because really i was uh you know uh, working on my own self-evaluation through that series but what we said there's something that's better than control and this is very easy to remember and that is confidence you are okay giving up control. We are all okay giving up control to something that we do have confidence in. In fact, my wife got one of those cars that actually stays in the lane for you. She needed that. We paid extra <laughs> for that. Um, just kidding, babe. She thinks I need it. but And I do. But um, it's okay. We, we understand the idea that if I'm confident in something else, I can actually begin to give up control. So when a Christian says God's in control... And we like roll our eyes like, oh, brother, Uh, that's our first response that often that first response comes because we haven't done the research to, to see if we can be confident in him. But once we're confident in who he is, God of grace, mercy and sovereignty, we can actually give up control, but it's not even giving up control because we don't have control. What we can do, though, is replace the illusion of control with confidence in something outside of ourselves. Now, irreligion is placing its confidence in something outside of itself. It's saying my paycheck will satisfy my life. You're still placing confidence in something that's not you. Um, And so confidence is a a crucial word for me in this area uh, of control. And you know what's so interesting, Eric, talking about control, control is an illusion. There could not be a better year to really put skin on that idea. I mean, even, I mean, I just think about 2020 so far. Uh, in early 2020, you had uh, Kobe, who who um, unfortunately yeah. pa- died, had, had passed away, had it all, had everything you could want, and somehow could not escape, could not control, could not control. Everything. Correct. He could control almost everything. But yep. There was one thing that he just sadly could not Couldn't, control. Could not control. And then yeah. now we're in you know, almost halfway through the year 2020 and there's COVID. Mm-hmm. You don't have control over, right. I mean, it, this is the year where that illusion breaks down mm. it, really for a lot of people. So I think I, even though it's hard, I think it's helpful yes. for people as well. I am with you on that. So let's look at this irreligion versus the gospel card. I think there's helpful things in here that people can maybe identify with. Maybe they did not pick up a, a, you know, our listeners did not say, you know, they're saying uh, religion. I really didn't identify with much. I think irreligion then might cover some of that as well. You know, Eric, Paul, what are the, what are some of them? There's a few on these cards that, you know. The second one I think has my attention. My purpose in this life is whatever I choose it to be. I find meaning and purpose in doing what I enjoy. I also find meaning and purpose in relationships or activities that make me feel good about me. And the, the, the gospel comeback to that is my purpose in life is to bring glory to God. You can't get more polar in terms of opposites. Right. And it's by serving him and his purposes, not my purposes, but his purposes. I find fulfillment in proclaiming God's goodness and greatness every time I choose to trust him and to show love to others. And so it's a nice, clear contrast of two different ways to live life. I'm in in it for me and my purposes. I'm in it for him and his purposes. The craziest thing in the universe is the realization that my life, when I give it away for, for a cause greater than myself, and especially something eternal, it comes back to me in just all kinds of joy and fulfillment. Now, let's, let's process that a little bit, Paul, because um, there are some things that we all enjoy. In fact, we share something together. We played golf. We played last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, who, who won that match? I can't remember. Oh, I'm interesting. Yeah, you probably played five times since then. But uh, anyways... <laughs> um, so we, we do love golf. We love the game of golf. Um, what's wrong with saying, you know, I, I find meaning and purpose in doing what I enjoy. If I were on the golf course, or Paul, let me just ask you this question. If you were on the golf course 
every day playing around a golf, which, you know, you might think that sounds like a good way of life. Why would that ultimately not satisfy? I mean, because I think there's probably people listening going, come on, guys. Like, come on. If I got to do what I wanted to do every day, my unti- like, and that was my hobby, that would be pretty satisfying. Isn't that called retirement? I mean, Paul, let's uh, talk about that a little well, bit. Like, help all, us yeah, flesh all that the studies say, All the studies show that when you live your life for the fulfillment of a hobby or something that will just simply fulfill you in terms of it's pleasurable – it ultimately does not satisfy. You know, all the what's called positive psychology. Um, Martin Seligman is a is a pioneer in this area, but it's a very big area of study now, trying to determine what makes happy people tick. You know, what are the consistent um, values and what's the consistent thought pattern of those that find joy in life versus those that don't. don't. And obviously, it is now just universally accepted that you give your life to something greater than yourself. You have meaningful relationships that you are not just receiving from, but you're investing in those meaningful relationships, and that you're, um, you're you've got a purpose that ex- exceeds you. It's not just it's just not about you um, finding pleasure. Um, in fact, the people that are the most unhappy are the people who are trying to be happy. Yeah, you know, I I often this might be, sound weird, but think about what would people say about me at my funeral someday. I don't want them to say he was great at golf. I mean, that's not what I want to be the the legacy or the story, you know. Paul, or, or Paul whatever. does. Yeah, Paul, wants that. <laughs> Paul, that it should be mentioned. Yeah, uh, it's, it's somewhere in there. It should be mentioned. Yeah, uh, uh, I I told uh, my buddy Pete the other day on my tombstone I wanted to say if I could only putt. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you say that a lot. I've said it a lot. Um, here's the thing about hobbies and things that we enjoy, e- even good things in life. If we put too much expectation on them to satisfy our lives, expectations that they can't fulfill, they actually become less enjoyable. So when I go to the golf course, we'll just keep working with this illustration and think to myself, today I'm going to shoot this number and I put this expectation on my game. I never shoot that number. When I think to myself, I have no expectations. All the golfers are they're resonating with this. I'm just going to go swing. I actually play pretty well. Now take that and just kind of let's let's just blow that up. Think about that a little bit, you know, in some bigger ways. If I put expectations on my kids that they weren't meant to fulfill or can't fulfill, then I become a control freak. By the way, like we've talked about, trying to control them for my own satisfaction, it actually gets in the way of love. So. We can actually enjoy our hobbies. We can enjoy our kids. We can enjoy our spouses. We can enjoy our vacations when they're not the ultimate thing. I, I, I once wrote a blog called The Vacation Void. And I, a couple of years ago, I noticed this thing where when I'm on vacation, I'm counting down the days till my vacation is over. And it actually oh, like makes man. me panic. Like yes. oh, f- only five more days, only four more days. I do that too. You do that? I uh, yeah. do that too. <laughs> I know, only three more days. And then I can't enjoy the day because I'm paranoid because the day's coming to an end. Oh, yeah. That yes. is exactly You me. should feel bad for my wife. I get all, I get all paranoid. Paul, do you do this? <laughs> yeah. And, and don't forget about the law of diminishing returns. If you go on a family fantastic vacation you stay stay like they got your name mixed up with somebody else and they put you in the huge suite oh yeah and and you're staying with the ocean view you didn't pay for that but you got it and it's just the ultimate fantastic vacation no other vacation can match that unless you paid the big bucks which you know being pastors we're not gonna do that (laughs) jim jim gaffigan has this joke that there's giraffes out his window at disney day one he goes just giraffes why not lions eating the giraffes disney you know like he it's the law of diminishing returns and so uh if if i have to have my vacation satisfy my deepest longings then i put this pressure on vacation that it can never live up to and it actually takes the enjoyment out of my vacation just that that idea applied to all the things we enjoy in life actually tells us you have to pick something better. You have to live for a purpose that's bigger than yours because your vacation is not big enough to satisfy. Your golf game is not big enough to satisfy. Your kids aren't big enough to, to satisfy. The only thing is that, that is big enough to satisfy is God himself. My purpose in life is to bring, and I'm reading now from the card, to bring glory to God by serving him and his purposes. I find fulfillment in proclaiming God's goodness and greatness every time I choose to trust him and show love to others. And I'm convinced that by doing that alone, you'll actually enjoy 
enjoy golf more. By doing that, you'll enjoy everything else more because they're now in their appropriate place and they're enjoyable. They're not ultimate. So I want to, I think that's all really good. I want to, I want to pivot on something that as I'm reading this irreligion versus the gospel card, something that I, you know, resonate with myself. And I wonder if listeners will, will understand this too. So on the sign that says irreligion, what is, you know, basically outlined, what does irreligion say? And I want people to listen closely to this because I think this is, again, a contribution to our conversation of having more delight and less despair in life. So here this. So irreligion says, my significance is found in what I can accomplish. When others recognize that I have done well at something I care about, uh, I feel really good about myself. It is important for my self-esteem that I am viewed as competent and useful. So what irreligion says is basically living under this pressure all of your life. My life, my worth, who I am is constantly based on what I can accomplish. I don't if, you know ever know where the finish line is with that. I even we've been watching this documentary, uh, Michael Jordan's The Last Dance on ESPN. Oh my gosh, that's so good. But I mean, here's this guy who just lived with so much pressure to to be the first time to to win you know three NBA championships in a row and all these things. And um, and for some people that might be appealing for me, I just think, oh my gosh, I would just be under so much pressure constantly thinking about what am I going to accomplish. Here's what the gospel says for living life. The gospel says my significance is found in knowing that I'm loved by God. My identity is based on who God says I am, not my own performance. Because I've been accepted into God's family by faith, I enjoy the status of being God's child. It takes the despair, the frustration, the angst out of life and says, I am who I am because God says you know, who I am, not based on what I've accomplished. Wow, what a way to live with delight. You mean you're not supposed to... Uh shame other people into their performance, their good performance. You guys are young, so you still have parenting, you know, a lot of parenting in front of you. And I've, I've always marveled at how natural it is for parents to say, what's wrong with you? You know, that kind of a shaming thing. Why can't you be like your brother? Those type of... You said that to of, Ben a lot, right? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. But... Um, Shaming other people based on their performance is our go-to mode. Think about the corporate world in terms of, I, I, I think about the car dealership when you get to peek behind the curtain and there's the wall of shame. And this is comparing every salesperson to each other and how they perform against each other. And, and a lot of corporations have that because that motivates. Mm-hmm. Performance comparison motivates because we have a very strong sense of self and ego. Here's my question. Under the gospel, Eric, what motivates you? How, how, how in the world can you stay motivated to follow God if your identity is fixed and secure in him? Yeah, I, I just go back to a, a statement uh, that we've said, but was really built on what John Piper say. The more devoted I'll be, the more devoted I am, the more delighted I'll be. So it's actually this idea of my my own joy. And this sounds funny at first. I'm motivated by my own joy, but, but John Piper says that's my duty. Because my joy is found in in God, that he is the source of it, then that actually motivates me. I just want to know him more. He is the source. I want to know him more. And when I know him more, um, that leads to more joy. So I am motivated by everything Jesus has already done um, and motivated to take my next steps, knowing that there is greater joy in greater devotion to him. Yeah, you're articulating uh, Piper's concept of Christian hedonism. And it's this idea that ultimately every single person is motivated for their own personal joy and satisfaction. And what God, what Piper did in his book, Desiring God, was kind of reveal the big picture, and that is God can be glorified and you can be satisfied, find joy, all at the same time. If you find your satisfaction in him and serve him and his purposes, you win, he wins. It's a fantastic situation. And I think this is this is a missing piece from so many people's experience with God. And this is why I love our mission statement at SMCC. We exist to help as many people as possible take their next steps <laughs> towards full devotion 
which is what a lot of churches have. We want to be devoted to God, devoted to Jesus, love right. him. That's fine, but it doesn't go far enough in my mind. Full devotion and full delight. Those two things are found together. And I, you know, I study churches, I research churches. That sets SMCC apart. And I'm not taking credit for that. I was here when I got here. Um, but that is unique to SMCC. But I think people uh, experience that far before they can articulate that. Um, they usually are asking us, what's FDFD? Is that like the fire department? Like, what is that for? <laughs> and But once they discover, they go, oh, I've been experiencing that for weeks, months, or years. Now, because of this, there's a phrase that I've been saying lately that's pretty bold. It's a pretty bold statement. And... Um, and yet, I, I, I hope it's punchy enough. Uh, and the statement is, I know not everybody's a Christian, but because of what we've talked about in this podcast, or I might say that because of what we've talked about in this message or what we just read in this passage, I don't know why everybody wouldn't consider becoming a Christian. I think that, and that's a punchy st- statement, but that's, I, I'm convinced that's true. If the greatest delight you could ever experience in life is not found on the golf course, not found in the cars you drive, not found in your vacations, is found in God, who you can know through Christ, then why wouldn't you consider becoming a Christian? That to me is a very a rational and reasonable um, pathway towards placing your trust and confidence in Christ. Wow. I think there's so many. Sorry, Paul, did you have something well, to say? You know, Andy Stanley says uh, being a Christian will make your life better and make you better at life. When I first heard that, I didn't like it. Now, with FDFD as the backdrop, that statement is acceptable. It's mm-hmm. it's good. It, it's meaningful. But without the gospel as the backdrop, that's not a good statement. Yeah, if because re- people are, are are starting to think to themselves. If they have a religious mindset, yeah, God's going to make my life better circumstantially, and I'll be better at life. I'll be better at maintaining or attaining the kind of life that I've always wanted for myself. Yeah, that statement is problematic if religion is your backdrop or irreligion is your backdrop. If full devotion and full delight is your backdrop, uh, I think it clears, it does clear things up. Now, everything we've talked about today in this podcast, and we're probably coming up at the end of our time, is pretty... Uh, maybe revolutionary for some listeners or, or radical or different. I mean, we're redefining terms. We're, we're, we're kind of cutting a new path for people if they've only known religion or irreligion. And I think it, you know, you probably owe it to yourself to come to SMCC for one or two complete series to see how this all flushes out. Because Paul, we should probably not reveal our tricks, but let me just reveal our, our tricks as communicators. We preach the same sermon nearly every week. Let's just be, I mean, it's pretty close. Like it's like, there's a couple and and someone else said this preachers, communicators, they only have two or three sermons, but all we're trying to do is come at the God, uh, people help people understand the gospel in contrast to religion and irreligion from a a hundred thousand different angles. That's really Mm -hmm. what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. You're comfortable with me revealing our tricks? Because we think the greatest thing anybody could do in terms of uh, fulfilling and meaningful life is preach the gospel to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we have to give them all the different ways that they would preach the gospel to themselves. Mm -hmm. That is the pathway to joy. You know, we're we're meeting in, in... the Draper area right now. And I live out in the Eagle mountain area and there's like five or six ways I could get here every morning. And, uh, I think for a lot of people, there's a whole bunch of different ways that they can get to an understanding of the gospel based upon their background, their experiences, their, their hurts, um, their, their current, uh, beliefs about God. And I think all, all the different messages and series and creative concepts that we, that we use to help people. It's like, helping people take different routes to the same destination. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to realize that, you know, the gospel, um, I think in a lot of ways, unlike religion, the gospel can be, um, really applied in so many different ways and in different times and in different places and different cultures. We know that from, you know, even when we're talking about sermon series, you know, we just, you know, have wrapped up, um, why am I spacing just what we just wrapped up? It was boring. Oh, that's right. It was a boring series. That's right. <laughs> well, just talking about, you know, what do we do when life seems idle? Yeah. Because we're in kind of a time like that with, with just staying at home and things like that. We've got a standalone coming up that's called, um, Bingianity, is that right? That's right. Man, I created the... the anyway, looking at the, count, the preaching calendar. Right? <laughs> I do. Um, and then, you know, even after that, we're doing um, the, the dilemma and talking about Correct. some things that are some false dichotomies. I mean, we do preach almost the same message every week, pointing back to the gospel, pointing back to that truth, making it clear, helpful, and hopeful for people. But we're, we're putting different 
you know, skin on it each week, mm-hmm. you know, so that it applies to people in different situations, in different times, in different places, because the gospel does that. Mm-hmm. We don't have to try very hard. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I know that we're coming to the end of our time and um, goodness, we could be talking here for so long. I hope you guys know that it, we have to keep a timer up just so that um, we don't go too long and then you guys don't want to listen to us anymore. Uh, we really do uh, love talking about these things and hoping, hopefully making this clear and, and helpful to people. And so here's a thing, few things I want to close with before we, we wrap up. Um, first, always, I just really do want you guys to understand if you're listening to this, thank you for listening. I understand that there are tons of podcasts out there. I myself, I listen to a ton of podcasts. And if it makes it into my listening feed, um, it means that, you know, it's something that I, I do want to listen to. I want to put some time towards. So if you're listening to this, thank you again um, for, for just supporting the podcast by, you know, subscribing or, 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 or rating or sharing with a friend and just having this on your subscribed feed. Uh, I do want to remind you guys again that, we really do want somebody uh, or anybody to just call in and ask a question. We think that this is a really great way for people to interact with. And you might be even be somebody who says, well, I don't really go to that church, so why would I ask Pastor Paul a question? No, that's great. If, 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 you, if you live in another state, if you go somewhere else, if you attend another church, but you happen to be listening to this, we'd love for you to call in and ask a question. And that number is 801-382-8151. And just to remind everybody, it will be in the description for this episode. So even if you didn't have a chance to write that down, you can just scroll down in the description. It will be there as well. And uh, I just want to remind everybody here again of two things, uh, just to wrap up. If you want to know more about SMCC, you can visit smccutah.org uh, to just find other things like messages or know where our locations are, things like that. And again, if, if you were listening and just said, man, this resonated with me, I need to probably take some time to sit down and look at these cards, but I'm not close to a location or I don't want to go out of my house right now. That's all right. Email smcc at smccutah.org um, and, and we'll get you those copies of those cards, the religion versus the gospel and irreligion versus the gospel. Uh, we think that that'll be, be helpful for you. So until next week, uh, we'll, we'll see you guys then. Um, and uh, we hope that you have a great week. Stay safe and uh, we'll see you next time you tune in. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.